Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you, praise you, and appreciate you for another opportunity to share the word of God with your sheep. The scripture says these are a great people, God, so we thank you for the great people that are tuning in to listen, God, those who are in the building, as well as those logged in, as well as those who will watch in the rebroadcast. So we, God, we ask that you would just touch us, illuminate my words, God, and my thoughts, God, illuminate the minds and the ears and the hearts of the listeners, God. Let there be a relationship that comes from the preacher to the listener that causes your word to be deposited in a way where revelation knowledge will flow freely, unhindered, unchecked, and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic forces. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. With your Bibles in your hands, would you just repeat after me? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. And we communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, feed me this word. Now come on and make some noise in this place. Amen, 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 and amen. Today we're going to be working from the topic entitled, The Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd. Somebody say that with me. Say, The Good Shepherd. One more time for emphasis, The Good Shepherd. The good shepherd lets us know that there is a difference between a good shepherd and a bad shepherd. Oftentimes in scripture, whenever you see the truth in one area, it also is talking about the opposite in another area. So there's much talk in scripture about shepherds and sheep. And simply because the time of the writing, it was an agricultural age. We move from that to, and actually most of life was an agricultural age, and then later it moved into an industrial age, and now we're in the technological age. And so uh, most of the scripture was written from an agricultural point of view. So because we were in, grew up in an industrial age and now in the technological age, sometimes when we see things like sheep and shepherd, we don't understand how it applies to us, except for the scripture was very specific and how it applies to us. And so we're going to look at that and see what we can get from it and what kind of revelation we can get. And so let's first of all look at a very familiar passage of scripture parking in the third verse. And I'm going to do all the reading uh, today. And we're giving Mother Mitchell a break. So Psalms 103 says this. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us. Not we ourselves. In other words, we aren't the control of ourselves. Or we aren't the originator of ourselves. Then it says we are his people 
and the sheep of his pasture. So we are his people, and then it speaks to us as his sheep of his pasture. So it's interesting to wonder why would God speak to us as if we are sheep. Most people say sheep aren't the smartest animal on the planet, and, and some scholars say that's not entirely true. It's not that they're not smart. They are just very submissive. So let's look at some sheep characteristics. Just a, a few things I want to point out as we move forward. Sheep are meek animals, not weak, but meek. They are usually very quiet and gentle, holding themselves aloof from the world. That's quite interesting. In a herd, all the sheep tend to listen to their leaders and show esteem to them. So because of this, people have thought that sheep were dumb, but actually they were just aloof from the world. They had separated themselves from the world and they had locked themselves to their leader. I understand why God calls us sheep because we have a world that can pull us into some stuff. That can pull us down some dark holes. But if we learn how to live with the world loosely, it's not that we can never entertain the world or never be around the world because that wouldn't be that that wouldn't be practical. We have to live in the world. But can we live in the world but be so aloof from the world or so disassociated from the world that what the world goes through doesn't affect us because we're locked in on our leader? Easier said than done. Because the affairs of this life, the, the, the human nature, the, the, the flesh that we call it, it, it oftentimes drives us and dictates. We, we have certain cravings and because of that, we run to the world. But what we, what we learn is that the world many times leaves us emptier after we chase what it has. And so it teaches us that at some point we've got to lock in on our leader, which is the good shepherd. Because he's the one that can navigate us through the world without having the world's stain be upon us. And so I'm so grateful that I've chosen and you have chosen to follow the leader that is Christ, who is the good shepherd. And because he's a good shepherd... He's good to his sheep. He, he is a masterful shepherd. He's a wise shepherd. He's a kind shepherd. And it behooves us to stay in the flock in his pasture because it is with him and in him where we will only find rest, peace, hope, and joy. Now, now I won't lie to you. Some of the stuff over in the world is fun. Some of the stuff over in the world is, is nice, but it leaves us feeling empty. There's a life in the world. There's a life in sin, but it leaves us feeling lifeless once we get in it long enough. Now, some of us who are saying amen, we're, we're old fogies. The young folk. They still think it's a whole bunch out there for them in the world. But they don't know what we know. It will leave you empty. It will leave you broken. It will leave you hurting. It will leave you confused. It will leave you mixed up. It, it will leave you addicted. It, 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 there's no real life 
in the world. The only life is following Jesus as your Savior. Amen. Uh, can I get an amen? I'm going to say it that way. Y'all, y'all are amen in me, but, but I'm, I'm saying that for the people who have, haven't quite hit it yet. Let, let me talk to the young folk. Can I get an amen from the young people? Because y'all may not believe it yet, but if you live long enough, Sister Teresa, I heard you shouting amen for the young folk. Hey, well, if you feel young, shout amen. But life has a way of teaching you, and it's our job to show other people, don't wait till it's too late. Get a hold of God while you can. There's somebody that's in the Ukraine that's fleeing for their life, that, 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 that wishes they had a savior to save them because they don't know when the house next to them is going to blow up. Don't wait till it comes to America for you to choose to go after God. Amen. All right, let's, let's move on. Let's look at John 10 and 1. John 10 and 1, it, it reads this way. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. So Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he, he begins to paint a picture. Now here's a picture I want us to, to understand as well. I, I even uh, did it as I was walking as if the world is over there. But this scripture says Anybody that comes in is a thief and a robber. So I need you to understand, saint of God, those of you who believe what I believe, that we should follow Christ, just because you're following Christ and you're in his sheepfold doesn't mean outside influences won't try to come and influence you. But what you understand, if something from the outside tries to come in, it's nothing but a thief and a robber. So what you have to understand, if depression comes in and sets up in your camp, doesn't make you a bad person. Maybe you need medicine. Maybe you need therapy. Doesn't make you, you bad or wrong. Do whatever you need to do. But also know that because it came into you, it came from the devil. May not be your fault that you have it, but you have to understand it's not Jesus that did it. It came from an outside influence. All right, let's look at verse 12. I mean, not verse 12, verse 2. Verse 2 says this. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, this reminded me so much of my father because whenever he would talk about God, he would often call him the shepherd of the sheep. He would say he's the great I am. He's the shepherd of the sheep. And he, he got it from this verse here. He is the shepherd of the sheep. So what that's also saying is if something comes in and tries to influence us, influence us from the outside in, the problem is we feel like we've got to fix it. But here's the thing. He's the shepherd of the sheep. See, I don't have to fight my own battles because I have someone who fights for me because at the end of the day, I am owned by him. The shepherd owns the sheep. So when an outside influence comes after the sheep, it's not the sheep's job to protect themselves. It's the shepherd's job to step up. They belong to me. I've been
been addicted. Yes, I have. This is the reason why I talk about addiction. I've been addicted, but the reason why I don't look like I'm addicted because when addiction came, Jesus said, Andre belongs to me. Now, addiction said he belongs to me, but the shepherd said, no, he belongs to me. And I'm here to let you know, no matter what's grabbing you, holding you, trying to pull you down, I know a shepherd of the sheep that stands up and fights for his own. Amen. The reason why some of y'all clapping because y'all been where I've been. You've been addicted. You, you've been hurt. You, you, you've been on the bottom of the barrel. But you know a God that protects his people. Verse 3 says this. Verse 3 says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them how? God knows you by your name. He knows who you are. He knows you, Trish. He, he knows you, Benny. He, 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 he knows you. He knows you, uh, Fanny. He knows you, Brother Jackson. He knows you, Krista. He knows you by name. And he calls you by name. So from, from here on out, we're going to show you things that the good shepherd equals. Here's the first point that we're going to make. The good shepherd equals relationship. When you are with the good shepherd, you will understand what's true of him is that he characterizes himself of knowing you by name or relationship. The problem I have with religion, religion many times X's out relationship. Some people say, well, you, you're a religious man, and I understand what they're saying, but really I'm not religious. I'm based on relationship. Because I have a God that relates to me. Because when I put this mic down and when I walk out of the door, I don't always say, God, oh thee, where art thou? No, I just talk to him out of relationship. God, I need you to help me. I, I'm tripping. I'm messed up. I need you to fix it. I, I don't get all deep and cute because I got relationship. He knows me by name. He knows my issues. He knows my troubles. He knows my hangups. He knows my, my problems. He knows me by name. He knows when I'm just feeling funny. Some of y'all be acting funny, but you acting funny because you feeling funny. But if you had a God that you could talk to when you were feeling funny, then you would stop acting funny. But the reason why you acting funny is you don't have a God to tell. When you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, don't rush to work. Talk to God. God, help me. Help me with my attitude. Help me with my mind. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm on edge today. God, help me. Some of y'all run to get coffee in Starbucks, but you need to run to God first and say, help me, God. Because if you don't help me, somebody going to get cussed out today. If you, you know, I'm saved, but somebody going to get it if you don't help me, God. And it's good to be in relationship with a God who won't judge you, who won't look down on you, but who will help you because he's the shepherd of the sheep. All right, let's look at verse 4. When he was brought out, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So the connotation is he opens the gate and he brings them all out of the gate. But the sheep, the wise sheep, what they do, they don't move until the leader gets in front of them and the leader goes and then all the sheep go. Now, sheep are from the same species as goat, 
goats, but they operate different from goats. Goats are very independent. You open the gate, goats are going to run. But when you open the gate with sheep, they wait for the voice because they know that it's the voice that is going to lead them. And the reason why some of y'all are sitting in the pews right now or sitting in the chairs right now is because you're trying to hear his voice. And you've had your voice long enough and your voice has led you in a bunch of junk. But now I need the voice of the Lord. And what makes you a sheep is you will submit to his voice. And the scripture says, my sheep know my voice. All right, let's, let's put this up. The good shepherd equals direction. Because once you are following after his voice, it gives you direction. How, how do you serve a God that you can't see? I can hear him. I say this, I say this all the time, and I, I, it bears repeating a time that I was playing a game with my, my daughter, and, and we, we, had, uh, we were in pitch black. Now, one thing I didn't know then that I know now, both my, my son, Dylan, and my daughter, Alana, both of them have uh, and what they call an incurable uh, uh, disease right now that affects them where they cannot see in the dark at all. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a blindness for the dark, and, and they're, they're looking for a cure for it. I believe by the time they get old enough, God will, will do what he needs to do. So but what I've, I've watched both of them that when they're in the dark, they have to move differently because they have to hear. If they can't see, they have to hear. And so one day I was playing this game with my daughter, not knowing this about her then. At that time, I knew it about Dylan, but not knowing she had the same situation. But we were playing this game, and she said to me, she said, Daddy, I can't see you, but I can hear you. And even though she couldn't see because of what she could hear, she found her way to my voice. I thought we were just playing in the dark, which we were, but she actually is blind in the dark, but she found her way to me because she could hear me. And if you can hear God, you can find God. I may not be able to see you, God, but as long as I can hear your voice, God, I got direction. What are you going to do in 2022? I don't know, but as long as I hear him, I know I'm going to be okay. And if I can hear the Father, everything's going to be all right. I got a feeling that everything's going to be all right. Well, why do you have a feeling with wars and rumors of war? It's because I can still hear my Father's voice. John 10 and 5, moving right along, says this. It says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize strangers' voice. Have you ever run from something and didn't know why you was running from it? You, you ever been in a situation, everything looked good, felt good, but something in you just said run? Not every gift is a good gift. Not every compliment is a good compliment. Some people are trying to manipulate with kindness. And you, 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 it's just something done feel right and and something tells you no nah, I'm not going down that path I'm not accepting this job I, I'm not showing up to this date I'm not going in this environment something in you told you to run because a stranger's voice you won't follow 
Because you've been so akin and so accustomed to the voice of the Father, any other voice just doesn't feel right. Another thing that my father taught me from something that, that he watched, he said that he was watching a documentary about counterfeit money. And the thing that, he, he, that surprised him is that in order to train people to spot counterfeit money, they never showed them counterfeit money. They only showed them the real. And when they were with the real long enough, the counterfeit automatically looked different. And if you with God's voice long enough, a stranger's voice just won't feel right. And so the sheep, if, if, a, if, if someone was trying to steal the shepherd's flock and say, sheep, follow me, they wouldn't move. And that's why they thought the sheep were dumb because they wouldn't move. But they weren't dumb. They knew that wasn't the voice of their shepherd. And with us, we're only going to follow the voice of the shepherd. All right, so that, that leads me to this. Good shepherd, the good shepherd equals protection. The good shepherd equals protection. Amen. Put this up. Stranger, danger. They teach little kids that stranger, danger. But I need to tell you the same thing. Any strange voice is going to lead you to some danger. Anything that is not from the word of God, that doesn't feel right, that doesn't sit right, I don't care how good it looks, I don't know how good she smells, I don't care how many curves she has, and maybe she got curves for days, but stranger, danger. If, if it don't feel right, if it doesn't feel like the voice of God, you can't go after it because God's voice will give you not only direction, but protection. And let me throw this in there. Many times, God, many times your rejection is God's protection. When that man said no, when that woman said no, when that job said no, when this door closed and when that door closed, you thought you wanted it, but on the other side of that door was some danger that you didn't need, so God shut the door. God blocked it for you. And it may hurt right now, but I'm here to let you know, God's voice will protect you and direct you. Here, here's one problem that we have to deal with is that there are three major voices we deal with. We deal with the voice of God, the voice of the devil, and the voice of the flesh. And many times the voice of the devil and the voice of the flesh will try to mirror the voice of God. And you will try to trick yourself into doing things, but here's the thing. God has a voice that cuts through all other voices. And when you, you can't pull a Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. No, Andre did that on his own. Because God told me, but I overrode what I heard because I knew his voice. His voice overrides all other voices. Mothers, you understand this. You can be at a playground and you can hear all the babies screaming, but when your baby screams... It cuts through all other voices because you recognize that voice. And I'm here to let you know God's voice cuts through all other voices for you, especially when you're about to walk into danger. Let, let me say this real quick. Sometimes people uh, say things about God that, that God isn't always good to his people because sometimes his people get into rough situations. But sometimes the truth of this matter is those people have ignored instructions and then something happened. There was a major preacher who was a powerful, mighty man of God. Died in a plane crash. And uh, people just wonder why he, he died so, so early. And, and him and his family, 
But when they looked back on, on it, they said there were several people said, no, don't fly today. But he was like, no, we're we going to fly. I got faith. We're going to do it. Sometimes you have to listen to the voices around you because they're trying to protect you. And I, and I got to say, say this and throw this out there. It doesn't necessarily do God any good to have you on earth because it's better for him to have you in his presence in heaven. So if you ignore instructions, it doesn't do him any good to block everything, to keep you safe. Many times he does it because he's God, but to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So some of y'all will go before your time if you don't listen and heed to warnings because it doesn't behoove God to always step in. So sometimes people leave before they should. All right, that's enough of that. Let's look at John 10 and 6. It shows why he was saying this. It says, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. They were, they were hard of hearing. The good shepherd equals access. So all these things I'm saying uh, are powerful, but the good shepherd also equals access. Look at verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, verily, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. So he, he, was, he was painting a picture that they would have understood, but now he switches the thing because instead of him just being the shepherd, he says, not only am I the shepherd, I am the gate. First of all, the Pharisees, who were the religious people, they didn't catch what he was saying, and he didn't try to make it any plainer. He got even deeper because what, what God understands, deep calls under deep. So if you're not going ready to go with him, he ain't got time to, to, to bring you all the way up to speed. You got to go when he goes. And so he went even deeper and said, not only that, he said, I am the gate. In other words, not only am I the shepherd, but I'm also the gate. I'm the access for them. And what I need you to understand as sheep in the fold of God, when you can't see a gate and you can't see a door and you can't see a way is because he is the way. And because he lives in you, you won't see the way, but you will be the way. In other words, just keep going in the direction that God has you going and wait for God to make it clear to you. There are times I really don't know what to do. I like, I really don't know what to do. And I used to get uh, fretful because I didn't know what to do. But I realized that the one who does know what to do lives on the inside of me. His presence is on the inside of me. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm just going to keep moving forward. And I say, God, if I'm on the wrong path, you tell me to get on the next path. But if not, I'm going to keep going down the path that I'm going. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Give you an example of that, just what I've just talked about not too long ago. I was um, in, in some type of uh, setting with other pastors, and they were talking about the importance of teaching the people how to give. And at that point, I had not been talking much about giving in the ministry. And so I prayed, and I was like, God, do I need to teach the people how to give more? God said, just keep doing what you're doing. Then the pandemic hits, and everything goes down, and our giving goes up. People sitting at home, we shut the church down for 90 days, and somehow the giving went up. Because what God was saying is, it's not so much that you have to teach the people. You have to let what you've already taught germinate in them. And if they are what they say they are, they'll just do what is right all the way. 
So instead of changing courses, I stayed on the path that I'm on. And I'm, I don't plan on making a big emphasis on it because I believe that the scripture says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So if you love this place, you'll give to it. You'll give your time, you'll give your talent, you'll give your treasure. If I got to preach to you 12 messages, don't give it. Something's wrong with your heart and something's wrong with my leadership. So I just decided to stay in that vein. And, and even though we, we've just kept on going up, and I believe we'll be able to do more and more things. We're not what we would call a wealthy church, but we are on our way. Amen. All right, let's, let, let's, let's go to this next point. The good shepherd equals salvation. Of course, let's look at John 10 and 9. It says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. So there is an interest to him, which is salvation, but there is a going in and a coming out. The one scripture says you'll be blessed when you go in. And you will be blessed when you go out. So as long as he is the access point of your salvation, you will always be okay. Doesn't mean every day is going to be good. Doesn't mean every trial is going to be good. You will have good days and bad days even though you're saved. But at the end of the day, you will always have this peace and joy that it's going to be okay. That God is going to turn it around or fix it. In other words, I've learned that if I'm down, I'm not going to stay down for long. If I'm hurt, I won't be hurt for long. If I'm broke, I won't be broke for long because I'm with God. And with God, I have the peace and the joy that I need. Now, I will say, sometimes the peace and joy doesn't always look like what you want. When you're broke, you want peace and joy in the, in the uh, terms of money. You want some money in your life, but sometimes money is not what you need because sometimes you can't handle money, so you got to learn how to enjoy and be content with the little that you don't have so God can teach you that even without money, I am still your peace and joy. Let me get a little deeper. Sometimes it's relationship. I want a man. I want a woman. You don't need a man. You don't need a woman. You need wholeness in your life. And so sometimes God won't let all those relationships work so you can get a hold of him. So the peace and joy he gives is not always what you want. But once you come on the other side of it, you're grateful for what he took you through. I can, tell, I can say I'm grateful for everything that I've gone through, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the indifferent, because I have a sense of wisdom that God was with me all the time. All right, let's look at John 10, 10. It leads us to a, well, actually, we're going to put the, uh, actually, let's put the point up first, and then we'll read the verse. The good shepherd equals abundance. So John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He said, I, as the good shepherd, my goal for the sheep is that they would have an abundant life. But the thief comes for only three reasons, to kill, steal, and destroy. Or, actually, uh, that's the way we normally quote it, but the, actually the scripture says to steal, kill, and destroy. And here's the, the, the principle behind that. The thief really only comes to steal. He only kills and destroys if he has to. A robber wants to wait until the house is empty. They bring the gun just in case. But really, they would rather just steal and get out. 
Satan would rather just steal from you. He don't really care if you live or die. He would rather just rob you blind. But if you fight back, he feel like I may have to kill and destroy. So if you've ever had something killed in your life, destroyed in your life, it's because you wouldn't just let the thief come and steal from you and rob. You decided to fight back. So sometimes the reason why you lost things wasn't because you were bad. It's because you dared to look at the devil and fight back. But I'm here to let you know, now that you know the shepherd, you're not fighting alone. The shepherd comes that you have life and it more abundantly. If you stole from me before, Satan, I'll get everything back and that much more. If I was depressed, I'll be that much more joyful. If I was crying, I'll have that much more glory. The Bible says those who sown in tears shall reap in joy. It says he will turn our mourning into dancing. So as long as you hold on to the shepherd, he will give you life and life abundantly. I believe the Amplified says, to the full until it overflows, an overflowing life. And I'm here to let us know we are moving and shifting toward a season of overflow, a season of abundance. We've been in not enough. We've been in just enough, but we're moving to more than enough. I got more than enough joy. I got more than enough peace. I got more than enough anointing. I got more than enough uh, uh, love, more than enough money. I got more than enough because I got a good shepherd. And his goodness is running after me and running after you. Do you understand that there's some goodness like a male in, in the mailroom? There's some goodness with your name on it. And it says delivered. And if it come back, return to sender, it'll be delivered again. You're going to get what God has for you. You're going to get the blessings God has for you. You're going to live the life that God has for you. Well, pastor, I'm 85. Well, we'll believe 86 is going to be the best year of your life. I don't care how old you are. God is going to do what he said he was going to do. Because he's a good shepherd. All right, let's, 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 let's continue to... The good shepherd also equals sacrifice. Verse 11 says this. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The reason why I know that God will do the things I'm telling you he's going to do. Because he's already done the most, uh, the, the most extraneous, hardest thing he can do. He already gave up his life. He gave his life before you and I were ever born. He died for us just in case. Whether we would say yes to him or not, he went ahead and hung, bled, and died for us. The good shepherd has already sacrificed his life. One scripture says they, the, uh, they were talking to, I believe it was the disciples, and God says, or Jesus said, if he would give up his son, why wouldn't he freely give you all things? If he would give up his son, do you think a Cadillac is a big issue to him? What I'm like, if you really, 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 really want a Cadillac, do you think it's a big issue to him? If you really, 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 really want peace of mind, do you think it's a big issue to him? If you really, really, really want to be healed from your arthritis, do you think it's a big issue to him? If he gave up his son, he'll freely give you all things. Many times the reason why we don't get things is we get 
we back up. We, 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 yeah, we don't ask, and also sometimes we get close to stuff and we just back up because we're like, ah, I don't deserve. I really don't deserve. Well, here's the thing. Don't none of us deserve. Now, let's get that, out, get that out your mind. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But God's not given to it based on what we deserve. He's given to it based on the fact that he's a good shepherd. So if you're going to give it, I might as well receive it. Let's park here just for, for a moment of time. The, the good shepherd equals powerful sheep. The good shepherd equals powerful sheep. What kind of sheep? So the reason why I'm bringing up the good shepherd is not for us to think about how powerful the good shepherd is, which he is, is but for us to realize how powerful the sheep will be. Because if the good shepherd is powerful, he's protecting the sheep. The, the only reason why a shepherd is a shepherd is because he's doing everything he's doing for the sheep. So if the good shepherd is good, and the good shepherd is all these things that I brought to you. He's doing them all for the sheep. So that ought to raise the level of the sheep. The better the shepherd, the better the sheep. Now let me, let me put this up. Let, let, let me, I'm going to put this up and then I'll, then I'll say something else. Leadership matters. Who leads you matters. So I, I, I'll say this. All the other things that I, I've been talking about was not in my original plan of the message. I was working on something else, and then I just seen this all this good shepherd stuff and totally turned and put that at the top of the message. But where we're going to is really what I was thinking I was going to preach about, and God shifted it to the good shepherd. So I'll show you how I got there, but leadership matters. Who you follow matters. Let, let, let me put this point up as we move on. Who you follow determines what you become. Now, I didn't say who you follow determines who you become. I said it determines what you become. The entirety of who you are and the what, your, your why, is based on who and what you follow. If you follow the wrong thing, if you follow the wrong shepherd, I don't care how good of a person you are, your what will not be what it's supposed to be because you got bad leadership. And one thing I don't want to be in your life, I don't want to be a bad leader. I tell you all the time, I'm not a perfect person, but I'm a darn good leader. And the reason why is because I'm going to point you to the good shepherd. I'm not pointing you to me. I'm pointing you to the one who can do what you need. If I could could have changed you, I would have changed you by now. But to be honest, I would have changed me by now. But I know someone who can change both of us, so that's who we're pointing to. All right, this is, this is the point that I wanted to, to make. I, I was looking up Proverbs, not just the book of Proverbs, but just ancient Proverbs. And I saw this ancient proverb that just really blessed me, and then I went to somewhere in Revelations. That's where I thought I was going to talk about, but I see how it all ties together. Let's bring up this ancient proverb. An army of sheep led by a lion would defeat an army of lions led by a sheep. Let me say that again. An army of sheep led by one lion can defeat an army of lions led by one sheep. In other words, 
the, the success is based on the power of the leader. So even though the lions are powerful, if they are following a sheep, they won't be what they can be. And even though the sheep are not powerful, if they're following the lion, they can be everything they need to be. And that reminded me of just a simple saying, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And if I follow the lion, even though I'm a sheep, I don't care what the devil's armies are. I don't care what Putin is doing. I, I don't care what the problem look like. Because I follow the lion, because I follow the risen king, because I follow the savior, because I follow Mary's baby, because I follow Jesus, because I follow Jehovah, because I follow him, I'm going to be okay. And you're going to be okay. Sister Nature, you're going to be all right. Sister Reba, you're going to make it out of whatever you're going through because you're following the right thing. Now, without a leader, we're just a bunch of lost sheep. But with the right leader, there's a lot of things we can do. So in order to paint this picture, we're going to go into Revelations, which is where I thought I would focus from. But actually, this is how we're going to end the sermon. And we're going to go into to Revelation, and we're keeping the mindset of the sheep. Now, I'm going to jump into chapter 5. When you get to Revelations chapter 5, there's a couple things that have already happened in the first verse of Revelations, or first chapter of Revelation, it talks and gives a picture of Jesus. It talks about how he looks in a resurrected state. His, his eyes of fire, feet bronze, hair white like wool, all, all those kinds of things. And then chapters 2 and 3, it talks about the churches, the seven churches. And then chapter 4, it brings John into the throne room. And he sees God Almighty in the throne room. And there's these elders around. And these elders are worshiping God. But then the next picture comes uh, still in the throne room, but it's, it's uh, a little bit empty because there's something happening that couldn't be explained. And that's how the picture unfolds. So Revelation chapter 5, it's in the throne room, and we'll see what unfolds from there. Let's look at verse 1, Revelation 5, 1. This is called, uh, the title of this is The Scroll and the Lamb from the English Standard Version. It says, then I saw, this is John speaking, then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, which would be God. God seated on the throne in his right hand. There was a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. So, so it was written front and back and it was sealed with seven seals. I'm going to give you a picture of what that scroll would have looked like. We'll flash this picture on the screen. These are seven wax seals, and they were tied with these ropes. In Roman times, those were usually used mainly, especially when you had seven seals, were for wills. It was when someone died and they were in the time of figuring out who gets what, they would have seven seals. And so this scroll was done like that. And that's what John saw in his mind. So let's look at verse 2. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice. Now, all angels are not the same. They have angels that are different levels of rank. But this was a mighty angel. 
It, it could have been Gabriel or Archangel. We don't know. We just know it says a mighty angel. In other words, a top rank angel. And this is what he says. Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? Verse 3. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to even look into it. It means in the entire universe, in the entire cosmos, there was not one person worthy to look into this scroll, which it seems to suggest the scroll dealt with all of eternity on earth. In other words, everything that earth was, not just in that time frame, but eternity past, eternity future, eternity present as it related to earth, and there was not one person worthy to look in that God is holding the scroll, but not one person worthy to open the scroll. Verse 4, John says this, and I begin to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. John is seeing this in a vision and, and he's, he's wondering why this is such an precious document, but there's nobody worthy to open it. And he said, in all of heaven, all of earth and all under earth, nobody, no one, nowhere could open it. And it brought tears to John's eye because he understood there's something important in this scroll, but nobody can crack it open. Verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So, so you, you don't have to cry. You don't have to cry any longer because there's somebody who's able and worthy to do it. But the only reason why he's worthy is because he traded his life for this worthiness. And he was called the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures, which I didn't talk about, that's in, in the previous chapter, chapter 4, I saw a lamb standing. Now, wait a second. The scripture calls him the lion, but John saw a lamb. Now, he was there the whole time, but John couldn't see him until it was said of the angel that he gave his life. And then all of a sudden he appears, but he appears as a lamb. As though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. I wish I had time to dig into all of that. We may do it on our Bible study night, but let's just move on. Verse 7. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. So this lamb went. And took the scroll. Let's put this picture up. This is a nice depiction of what John saw. You see on the left side, with my left, you see an image of Christ. You see a lion in the back, but then you see that lamb with the horns and with the eyes. And beside it, there is an A and looks like an upside down U, which is the Greek symbols for alpha and Omega. So in the entirety of humanity, 
in the entirety of the universe, there was only one person that went from alpha to omega, went from A to Z. He went from top to bottom. He, he's gone from outer space all the way down to hell. There's only one person who understands. The Bible says he was there when the world was created, when the world was formed together. Not only that, but he took all of that and he came down. The Bible says he came through 42 generations and he was laying in a manger. There was no room for him in the end. He got up out of the manger and he grew as a man and he went to the cross and he was buried in a grave and he was stuck in hell, but he rose from the grave with power in his hand. There's only one man who can open the seals. There's only one, and it was Jesus. And even though he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, when it was necessary, he became the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. He's the crucified king. He's the crucified savior. He's the beaten and the bruised savior. And here's the thing. He was bruised not just for the whole world. He was bruised for you. I love you, Mother Rankin, but your sins put him on the cross. I, 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 love, I love you, Brother Allen, but your sins put him on the cross. I love you, Pastor Andre, but your sins put him on the cross. If all of y'all were perfect, my sins alone would have put him on the cross. But think of the sins of the entire world. And they were put on him. It's some scholars believe not only does the scroll that was written front and back, not only does it represent the entire universe, it represents all the judgment of all the sin of the world. And it was all poured out on Jesus on the cross. He, he, he took it all. So much so that the father had to turn his back and he said, my God, my God. Why have thou forsaken me? Because he took it all on him. But in that revelation, when John was looking, there was only one. One who was worthy to grab that seal. Let's look at verse 8. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, now this is quite, quite deep, but it seems to suggest that when we are praying on earth, it is being held in heaven. But it's being held till there is somebody worthy to answer the prayer. And don't believe that your prayers are not being answered. They're just waiting for the lion to come down. And open the scroll because in the scroll somewhere is your name and your prayer and your issue. And he's worthy. That's why we worship him now. Whether he's answered my prayer yet or not, I know he's able. So God, I worship you now. But what Revelation was showing us, it's showing a future event or actually an event in the future of that time where Jesus was saying all the prayers of the saints, I'm taking care of them because I'm the only one worthy. Because I've been through the entire universe. I know exactly what Trish needs. I know exactly what Reuben needs. And I know what the prayers of Ruth are and the prayers of Teresa. I know exactly what you need. So here I am. And as a good shepherd, I'm opening up the scroll. 
and I'm about to do some stuff in your life. And I, I, I want to announce to you, you made it this far just in the nick of time because God's about to blow your mind with what he's going to do in your life. Because the time is right. Let's, let's look at verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Remember when we talked about black history and we talked about the importance that God did it for every nation and every people, every ethnicity. So they begin to sing a new song. So let, let, let me backtrack just for a second. I said in Roman times, they would seal the wheel that way. That's how they would seal a wheel. But you can only get the benefits of the wheel when the person of the wheel dies. Well, Jesus, not only did he die, he came up and opened the wheel and said, Andre gets this. Well, well, no, the devil says, no, but Andre's messed up. And he says, I'm the one who the will is written about. I already died, but I rose again. And Andre is getting this because I said he's getting this. I'm here to let you know when he opens the scroll, he finds your name in there. He's got blessings with your name on it. He, he's got joy with your name on it. He, he's got peace with your name on it because he's the good shepherd. And he's so good that there was some stuff that would not happen unless he died. I don't know what, the, what it looked like. I don't know what it looked like in heaven when God was creating the universe with his son and with the Holy Spirit. And I, 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 in my mind's eye, I hear God saying, if this thing goes south, if Adam and Eve, if they mess up after all that I'm giving them, Something, something's got to happen. I hear the son saying, if it comes to it, I'll die. If it comes to it, I'll sacrifice my life. If it comes to it, I'll lay down my life. But, 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 but son, you are lying. But if it comes to it, I'll be the lamb. But, but son, you're the king. If it comes to it, I'll be the sinner. He became everything so we can get what God has designed for all of humanity. And so what does that do? It brings a new song in our heart. Listen, you ain't got to, you ain't got to have an organ, a drum, a church service for me to praise the Lord. I got to praise town on the inside because I know my master. I, I know my savior. And I know my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And your name is written. Dwayne's name is written. Tommy's name is written. I, I wish I could call all your name. Your name is written. And it's written in the pen of his own blood. But here's, here's verse 10. This is how we'll close. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. So, so when he opens the seal and he opens the scroll, basically saying all these sheep, all these sheeple, I'm turning them into a kingdom of priests. 
One scripture or one verse says kings and priests. So going from sheep to being kings and priests. That's why I keep telling you, you are somebody in God. I don't care what life has done. I don't care what the devil says. You are somebody in God. He died for you. He rose for you. He lives in you. And you are kingdom of priests. You're kings and queens. You're warriors. You're blessed. Because God destined it to be so. So here's, here's the final point. The lamb became the lion. I'm going to wait just a second so they can bring it up. The lamb became the lion and turns us from lambs into leaders. The good shepherd is not the good shepherd for himself. The good shepherd is the good shepherd for the sheep. To transition the sheep from being just sheep into being leaders, kings, and priests in this earth. And the scripture says, you shall reign in earth. Now, now, of course, this is speaking not just of now. It's speaking of a future age where the Bible says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And we will actually literally reign and rule in earth. But right now, we're going to learn how to reign over our trouble. Reign over our problems. Reign over our low self-esteem. Reign over our setbacks. Reign over our trauma. Reign over our triggers. All the stuff that's testing us and trying us, God is a good shepherd and he's elevating us. And if you don't want to go, don't go. But don't stop me from where I'm going. I'm going higher and higher in God. Final final thing I'll say. I I, I didn't think I would add this, but I I will add this and then we'll stand. I, I was... Uh, it was it was right before my, my father uh, passed. A friend of mine reached out to me, and they had a prophetic word for me. And uh, normally, I I speak into their life, but they had something for me. And they said, Andre, I see you climbing. I see you like climbing up a mountain, and it it has been rough. But I see you when you reach the top of the mountain. They said it's like a cliff, but when you reach the edge of the cliff, everybody's looking, expecting you to fall, but you're going to keep walking. They said in the dream, they saw that, that after the ledge ended, after I climbed and got to the top of it, after it ended, I just kept on walking. There was nothing else under me, but somehow I kept on walking. And they was like, God's going to take you somewhere, and people are going to expect you to fall. But you're going to keep on walking. You're going to keep on going. That was probably five days before my father passed. And maybe I should have lost my mind, but I'm still walking. Because of my Savior. And if you're following me as I'm following Christ, guess what? You're going to keep on walking. And when it looks like you should fall off the edge, you're going to keep on walking. And people are going to see God is on your side. Come on, let's rise to our feet. Let's give God some praise. Good, good. He's a good, good shepherd, and he's a good, good father. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for giving me this word to share to your people, God. And 
showing us who you really are in our lives. You're good to us, God. Your goodness, even, even the song that Mother Mitchell wanted played, your goodness is running after us. And God, you, you are showing us that even though we've been through all kinds of things in our life, we are going somewhere. And we're not going somewhere just to brag on us, but we're going somewhere so we can point to the Savior. Because you are the only one worthy to open those scrolls and open those seals. And for that, we give you praise. Now, Father God, if there's anybody here and anybody listening under the sound of my voice that does not know you as their Savior, doesn't even understand all that we're talking about, I pray they would just be bold enough to say, Father God, send the good shepherd into my heart to transform me and raise me from where I am to eventually a king and a priest for you. And for that, I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Much love to you. You are dismissed.